Hey, tonight is December 5th, 2018, and the title of the message is The 40-Year Shortcut. So, so are we in a great season right now? It's the holidays, holidays, it's uh, Hanukkah, it's going to be Christmas soon, isn't it a great time of year? Isn't it a great season in your life? Is it a great season in your life right now? Yeah. If it isn't then uh, you should say yes anyway. <laughs> have you been enjoying these words that have been coming to us? Yeah, yeah right? So Israeli fire, seeking the fire of God that God gave to Israel to become partakers of the promise. Veils, eyes wide shut, taking veils off of our eyes, fine-tuning the faith of Abraham, crushing false assumptions of faith. And a call to maturity. What about way back in October? Samed team fighting. Foundational truth of fighting in teams. I just, I've been feeling this sense that's come over the church. And I don't know if you felt it. Hopefully you have. But it's this, this idea of the standards raising. Don't you feel that the standards raising? Maybe the standards been raised in your life where you were... You were at a certain capacity and you knew you had to come up to a new level and you've been challenged here recently. What about Monday nights, Tuesday with Pastor Matt? Man, I've been challenged. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Resetting foundations, raising the standards. And naturally in this season, I was studying standards for elders and pastors and um, I just want to know, what does it take? You know, where am I compared to that? Where am I compared to that standard? And um, I found that I'm not really where I want to be and that um, I have room to grow. But uh, at least I have somewhere to go, right? I've got, I'm going somewhere. So we're going to be going somewhere tonight. So why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, we're going somewhere. So turn to your other neighbor and tell them like you mean it. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. Sometimes I have to stop Susan in the middle of the day, in the middle of a hard day where it feels like everything's gone wrong and we have no idea what's going on. And I just have to look at her and say, babe, we're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. This is for a purpose. This is for a reason. We're not just going through this just for the fun of it because this isn't that fun right now. (laughs) Oh man, wouldn't it be great if we just had a shortcut? Just a shortcut. Just a shortcut. Just an easy button. Just boop and you're there. Guys, I'm going to tell you the secret. And I don't know if the pastors will let you know this, but there's totally one. And do you know that? Have you you learned about it yet? All right, we're going to talk about it. But we're going somewhere, right? All right, come on. Let's go to Exodus chapter 2. And when you're there, say somewhere. Say somewhere when you're there. All right, see, I told you we were going somewhere. All right. 2, verse 11. One day when Moses had grown up, He went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. 
He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And he answered, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. Moses had a desire to serve, didn't he? He had a desire to do something great. He probably had a great vision in his mind of how this conversation was going to go, and it blew up in his face, right? He probably thought that killing that that Egyptian was a really good idea at the time, didn't he? And look, he had a pedigree to lead. He was a prince of Egypt. He could lead. He could lead these people. He felt an inclination and a call. He had a burden for people. Do you have a burden for people? Do you have a call? Oh man, he had a drive to do something about it. He wasn't just going to sit and watch it, watch things happen. He was going to actually go and do something about it. But when he tried to assert all this authority that he thought he had in the moment, he just fell right on his face. In 1 Timothy 3.1 says, The saying is trustworthy. Anyone who aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. It's a good thing to want to do good things. It's a good thing to want to be an overseer. It's a good thing to want to do something for the body of Christ, isn't it? And most of us, we have this noble task that we can think of that God's called us to. We have this tasks that God has prepared us for and we're so ready to go and do it and then we try and then we fail (laughs) see the problem is (laughs) amen the problem is it's not that you want to do good things that's not the problem the problem is your heart was wrong the problem was Moses' heart was wrong he mixed something in with those sacrificial aspirations Let's look at Philippians 2, 3. You all know this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. I don't know what your translation says. This one says empty conceit or selfishness, selfish ambition. I think there's this tension there of I want to do something good, but I also want a little bit for me back. And maybe you, you, in the past, you've wanted to do something good. You tried to do it and it blew up in your face because you had a little bit in it for you and maybe it didn't blow up in your face and that's even scarier because you didn't even know that you had a little bit in it for you i see this tension it's like the more i grow the less that percentage is of me wanting to do it for me but how much selfish ambition is okay none none let's look at that word for selfish ambition it's the greek 2052 Erethea, or however 
that guy says it on blue letter. Um, <laughs> a few people get the joke. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> it means something like electioneering or intriguing for office. So think of a politician that goes door to door, knocks on the door and shakes your hand and he has a really big smile and he's trying to convince you why he's the best person for the job and he's electioneering. And have you ever done that in church? Have you ever done that? I know I have. Like, I'll go to a meeting and I won't really go because I need to be there. I'll go because I'm going to be seen by certain people and it's going to get me ahead somehow. <laughs> well, that's, that's not good. And I, I figured out I did that. So I stopped doing that. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know I was doing it. And, and then I started thinking about it like, no, and you didn't even share anything while you're there. You were just there just to be seen. And then you left. Oh man. <laughs> Electioneering or intriguing for office. What, what if you were really excited about a word and you were really excited about it and you shared it, but you just held a little bit back, like the part that actually affected you and how you had messed up in this area, and you just ignored that part, so it kind of fell flat, and it wasn't really good, and people didn't really listen to it very much, because you held something back for yourself. You ever done that? I've done that. It's not enough to desire something good. Moses thought he was doing the right thing, but the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. The right thing... At the wrong time is the wrong thing. And the right thing with the wrong heart is the wrong thing. And we've got to judge our thoughts and we've got to judge what we are actually doing and saying, am I doing this for the right reasons? Not just are you doing the right things. And if we're going to raise the standard, that's something we've got to really work on. think we see an important failure here in Moses's life. You failed at something in your walk and something might be defective in your ambitions. But guys, this is just the beginning of the story. So we're going to keep going in Exodus 2. Exodus 2.15. You can hold your finger in Exodus 2. We'll hop around, but we're going to stay in Exodus 2. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Moses has a death sentence. They're out to get him. He's got a price on his head. How many times have you received a death sentence? Maybe you guys don't have somebody actually out to kill you, hopefully. Um, but can we look just a little bit beyond the surface here? Is that all right? What about when you're trying to start a business or something new and you tried to start and it failed because you did it on your own strength? Or after that last fight, you really felt like your marriage was over and that was the end and there's nothing else. There's no coming back from it. And then you realize it was all your fault too. 
Or you fell into that sin again and you didn't want anybody to know about it because you were embarrassed. So you didn't go to anybody and confess. And that guilt is choking the life out of you guys. Death's all around us. Some of us stink like death. Death's on every side. And Moses, he ran. He bolted. He got out of there. He wasn't sure where he was going. And he just ran. And then he stopped. And he sat down by a well. What do you think was going through his mind? Just sitting by the well. It's over. It's done. I'm dead. There's nothing left for me. Is there something left for you? Is there something left for you? You know what? If you've got to run away from something, run to a well. If you've got to run away from death, run away as fast as you can and get to a well. Because at a well, there's life. At a well, there's life. Moses didn't stay and argue his case because he knew he was guilty. We could use some of that. We could realize we're guilty, drop it, and move on. Amen? He ran away. You can run away and ignore the issue. You can run away and put your head in the sand. You can hope a change of scenery is going to help, and it never does. Moses ran to a well, a place that produces life in the desert. And Moses went from death to life, and he didn't even know it. He just sat down by a well. Man, do you need to run from something tonight? Do you need to run from some death in your life? Do you? I can remember a time when I was in El Paso and we'd started the church and things were starting off well. And then, man, I, I was struggling. The pastor was struggling. We were all struggling. And then there's this point where I feel like God's telling me to go. And I feel like, man, I, did I just waste four years of my life? Was that for nothing? Was it... I just graduated college. Now I have no professional experience. I don't have any experience in the real workforce. I, I, I don't have an internship, nothing. All I have is I worked for a church for five years. And I don't even think a church had hired me either because I'm terrible. <sighs> Dead. 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 But then God brings me somewhere and he just makes me live again. He makes my marriage live again. He makes, he makes me live again. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even know that's where I was going. I was just running. And I ran to a well. Do you need to run to a well tonight? You need to find life. You know what? In order to to run away from death you've got to find the death in your own life you've got to figure it out you've got to search it out don't pretend like you're alive while you're actually dead let's go to Hebrews 12 1 through 2 
Therefore, since we are surrounded so great by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so, which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, between where he was and where he was going, there was something in the middle. There was some death in the middle, but he knew he had to get where he was going. And whatever is between you right now and where you're going, you got to get there no matter what. And look, what do the wells look like in our lives? You gotta run to the scriptures. You gotta find words of encouragement that are gonna sustain you, that are gonna be water and life to your soul. You're gonna add to your stones. You're gonna run to your brothers. Let them in on your issues so they can build you up. Run to your pastors. Let them correct you and guide you. Don't run away. What we tend to do is we tend to run away. We tend to go hide because we're embarrassed that we've got death on us, but everybody else knows. And you know what? At the well, sometimes the well is not the safest place. Sometimes there's a fight on your hands. Sometimes you've got to fight what, what God's trying to give you. But let's go to Exodus 2. Let's go back to Exodus 2. Let's go to 16. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. And when they came home to their father, well, he said, how is it that you have come home so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. You know what you don't do at a well? You don't lay down and die. Because you're at a well. And you don't expect somebody else to draw water for you. You don't even draw water for yourself. You know what saved Moses? What saved Moses more than drawing water for himself? He drew water for somebody else. Man, if you could be life for somebody that's dying... That gives you life. If he could just look beyond his own circumstances, he can see somebody else's need. And if we can just look a little bit beyond where we are, you can see that the way out of our own issues is to bring life to somebody else. We can't be insulated. Home as a family and fellowship with one another and watch Netflix. Right, we we gotta we gotta go out and do something, because that's gonna be life to you. Where are you finding your refuge tonight? Where are you finding your refuge? Are you finding your refuge in those people at work that like to talk bad about the boss, and and that's just your little time of letting your hair down? What is what is your refuge? Hopefully, your refuge is in God's word and in His standard. 
It wasn't just Moses' physical body that was in harm's way either. It was also his call and his purpose. Do you really think at this point he can go and save Israel? He's dead. He's a dead man in Egypt. They're not going to let him back in the country. He's dead. His purpose was dead too. And look, the girls, they don't call him a Hebrew, do they? They call him an Egyptian. He's got sin all over him. (laughs) But he drew water from a well. You know what Moses' name means? To draw out. And Moses, right then, in that moment, was drawing out water for someone else. He wanted to be a deliverer. He got to be a deliverer for some girls. Not for a nation. Let's start off small. For a few girls. He was a deliverer. And right then in that moment, he's not thinking about this is my great call. This is my moment. This is where I get to shine and everybody can see me. He, he, he's not in it for himself. He sees something that's wrong and he goes and he fixes it. And that was his life. That was him being reborn. And when you were dead, you found life. When your call was over, it got reborn. He sat down to the well, at the well to die, but instead his purpose is reborn. And he's saving somebody when it won't help him at all. And there's real danger. And he's called to be a deliverer. And he becomes a deliverer, but without the recognition. And then they just leave him. (laughs) They just leave him. And he's just sitting there by a well, sitting there again. Look, let's, let's go to uh, John 14, 24. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You know, Moses had to die. His ambitions had to die. It had to be cut off. He couldn't have that anymore. He had to die. We actually, we go to the to the desert to die. Let's go to uh Exodus fourteen eleven. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? You know, we go to the desert to die, but just for the worst parts of us to die. And maybe you feel like you're in a season right now where it's like going through the meat grinder. It's like going through hot coals. It's very difficult in your work, in your house. I, I don't know. I don't know what you're going through exactly. And it feels like you're going to die. But that's good. Because then you die and He lives in you. Desert living is the perfect place. 
to die to yourself. We lose our lives to gain them. Let, let, let's go to First uh, Kings nineteen three through four. And he was afraid. This is Elijah. And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my father's. This is a recurring theme in prophets. If you didn't know, prophets quite often say, God, just kill me now. I can't do this. I can't. God, I, I, I can't. You know how many times I've said that since I've been here? Like at least once a week. (laughs) Oh man. Did I just say that to my wife? Oh God, just kill me. God, I can't pay that bill. There's no way. Just let me die. (laughs) I'm just ready to go. And God's like, hey, man, it's all good. I got you. Just do it my way now. Stop trying to do it in your own strength. Do it my way now. That's why pastors are so great. They can just, hey, brother, your kids are out of control. Come on. (laughs) Oh, you're laughing because it's true. (laughs) If you die, if you don't die, you can't live. You understand that, right? If you don't die, you cannot live. If you don't die to yourself, you're never going to truly live in Christ. But most of us, we want to pretend like we're alive when we're actually dead because that's too much trouble. It's too much work to actually deal with stuff. And God can take the nothing that you have and do something with it. If you run where he calls you, not where you want to be, if you fight the fights that he gives you, not your own. And he won't just bring you back from the dead. He can rebirth your call, your vision, your purpose, the purpose that you were put here on the earth for. He can rebirth it from ashes. Beauty for ashes. Joy for tears. And it can be something useful for him, but not useful for yourself. It's hard to get the glory when you've already died. Let's go to Exodus 20. 2.20, sorry. Chapter 2, verse 20. He said to his daughters, Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. And she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. 
During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel and God knew. You know, if you really think about it, Moses didn't have a family. Really, really think about it. Like in Exodus 2, verse 1, let me just put it on the screen. You don't have to turn there. I mean, you're already there, but you know, whatever. Now, now a man from the house of Levi went and took his wife, a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. How nondescript is that? There are no names. A man, just some guy, had a wife that was a woman. And she had a son. <laughs> Look, who, who did Moses call dad? Was it, you really think it was the Pharaoh's son-in-law? That, that was his dad? He's a Hebrew. He's a former slave. He was their pet. He wasn't a son. And then his dad, Amram, I mean, he's not there for him. He can't be. He's raised in Pharaoh's house. He didn't have a father. But when you go to a well, you find life. And sometimes a father finds you. The girls left. Then they came back and they found him right in the same spot. He was still sitting by the well. Because he didn't have anywhere to go. And they brought him back into their home. And he became family. He had a father. You just... You ever think about that for your life? Where were you before you came here? Who are your fathers? Who are the people that were raising you? Who are the people that were investing in you? Who are the people that were dying for your vision? Who are they? Maybe you had somebody, but maybe you didn't. And God brought you here, and he brought you into a family with fathers. God's good. He puts the lonely in families. Jethro is the only father that Moses had ever known. A priest. We think it's a sacrifice that Moses went to the desert. We think it's like this great big sacrifice that he had to leave Egypt. That wasn't a sacrifice. A sacrifice was leaving his family and going back to Egypt. Are you, are you so ready to get out of here and go do your own thing? Because that sounds more like a prodigal son than a real son that loves his father. Man, God's called you here for a purpose, to grow you, to challenge you, to correct you, to help you. Don't run away. Don't be so fast to find the next thing. God's called you here. Be here. Look, God didn't forget Moses. 
And God sure didn't forget Israel. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel and God knew God saw them and he knew them. God still hasn't forgotten about Israel and God hasn't forgotten about you. God hasn't forgotten about you. You think that you're going through the hardest time you could imagine. But God hasn't forgotten about you. There's still life for you. There's still life to be had. Let's go to Exodus 3.1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. You know where Moses is? He's not watching his own sheep. He's not watching his own sheep. He's watching somebody else's sheep. He's watching his father's sheep. And it's just an ordinary day watching sheep living life, watching his father's sheep. But between the call and the going, like maybe some of you guys are called to leave here eventually and go start a church. Great. But until then, serve somebody else. Until then, serve somebody else. And then when you're there, still serve somebody else because they're never your sheep. They're not your sheep. They're his sheep. He just felt like it was normal. It was just a normal day. But it wasn't normal. That was faithful servanthood. But turn it with me to Acts 7. Acts seven twenty nine. At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian where he became the father of two sons. Now when 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. He drew near to look, and there came the voice of God. Moses spent 40 years in Midian. 40 years, every day, waking up, watching somebody else's sheep. And we, we're like, man, it's been like two weeks and since my call and I need to go do something. <laughs> 40 years raising a family, loving his wife, 40 years of exile, 40 years of ministry with thinking his ministry is dead. And he's ministering to his family. And it's just an ordinary day. You know what could not be more ordinary? I mean, it's like the most ordinary thing you could ever think of. The most boring thing ever. An 80-year-old watching sheep. The most, like, the most mundane thing you could ever imagine. A 40-year-old watching sheep. 
But that day wasn't ordinary, was it? He saw a burning bush that day. He learned God's name that day. He got a new call that day. What was ordinary became extraordinary because of 40 years of faithfulness. What is it worth for you to endure, to press on, to keep going? What call, what great call of God is on your life that you're going to achieve, that people for generations after you are going to remember because of your faithfulness today and the next day and the next day and the day after that and then 40 years later, God sends you just an ordinary day. Look in Revelation 1.9. I'm going to just read it. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island of Patmos, and on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. You really think that was the first time he was in the spirit? Sitting on an island by himself? What else has he got to do? Every day he's in the spirit. Every day he's in the spirit. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. John's like 70 when he's writing Revelation. He's old, sitting faithfully, listening to God, dwelling in his presence day in and day out. And nothing happens. And then one day, he has a revelation. What revelation is waiting? Your faithfulness. We, we want to work around hard times. We want to skip over them. But those are the moments that make us who we are. We don't want to wait for God to use us in some extravagant and extraordinary way. We don't want to wait for that. We want that to happen now. God, when? Now? Now? And God just wants you to be faithful. We look at our progress and we get upset because some other brother is doing great. And we're like, well, why can't I do that? Because he was faithful when you weren't. We want a shortcut around the 40 years. We're always looking for some way to circumvent what God is doing, to microwave it. We don't get those moments of incredible favor without years of thankless, faith-filled work, but it's worth it. When Moses goes back to Egypt, he goes back and he confronts Pharaoh and all the plagues. You know how long it takes from the time he gets back to their leaving Egypt? About five months. Maybe a year. That's the 40-year shortcut. You know what the 40-year shortcut is? 40 years of service, and then God does something extraordinary for a little bit. It doesn't take long to do what God needs to do because you're ready. Because you're ready you want a shortcut, it might take 40 years. But it's worth it. Guys, we're, we're in this season. We're, if you spent time in these uh, character-building seasons, it makes work 
that you're called to possible. You don't get to skip these moments. You're made for them. Moses made a home. That season wasn't a roadblock to him. You understand that? He thought it was a roadblock. He thought this was the end. Like this is the end. This is my last stop. It wasn't a roadblock. It was a shortcut. It's the well of life. I just, I, I want to make sure that we've really been listening to these words that have been coming out to us in the church. Have we really been listening? Let's go to Matthew 16, verse 1. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came. And to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. Look around you. Look what's going on in your life. Listen to what the pastors have been saying over and over and over again. It's time to raise the standard. It's time to reset the foundation. Let's not forget about Israel. They're saying these things over and over and over again for a reason. We're in this season of character building and refining. It's always refining time, right? But this is a special season of refining. I, I just, I talk to you guys and I'm like, what's going on in your life? And it's like, man, I'm having the worst possible time I've ever had in my whole life at work. It's terrible. Like, amen, you're going to make it just over and over again. It's like you're going through the fire, but I know God's building something in you through this and you know it too. We all, we all have this sense that God's doing something in us and we don't know quite yet what it is. But at this point, you look up in the clouds and you see that it's going to rain. That God has a plan. That God has a plan for this. God has a use for this. Proverbs 17.3, you don't have to turn there. The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and the Lord tests hearts. Look, come on, say it. The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold. You know, the furnace is not for nothing. You get that right? The fire is not for nothing. You don't just go through fire and then that, well, that was the end of it. That was hard. Thanks, God. No, he's producing something in you and through you. And when he's produced it, he intends to use it. So if you're going through fire right now, be encouraged because God wants to use you. If you're going through a desert time right now, be encouraged because God's going to use it. For your good. He's teaching you. He's encouraging you. He's strengthening you. He's brought you to a well. He's brought you to fathers. And now you can do something for someone else. And not for yourself. 
You know, he didn't just take you to the desert to die. So the Egyptians could run right over you. So the Canaanites and the giants could get you. You know, the people of Israel, they probably had a five-year plan. And like, you know, we're going to leave Egypt and then we're going to go here and then we're going to conquer these people and then we're going to go here and then we'll be there, right? And we we do too. And I I don't think, like, I really don't think that in their five-year plan that they included um, God's going to open up a sea and then we're going to walk across it. Or we're all going to be like dying of thirst and like almost dead in the desert. And then Moses is going to take a stick and he's going to hit a rock and the water's going to come out. Like that wasn't on their five-year agenda. You don't know what God's going to do in your life. You don't know what miracles are going to come from this. But if you leave now, you will never know. You will die in the desert. <laughs> and the thing is, like, we, we, we're like, am I the kind of person that's going to quit when it gets too hard? Am I the kind of person that thinks about going back to Egypt? Am I the kind of person that says, no, thank you, God, to the promised land because of the giants? And what we think, no, no, not me. Me? But of course you are. Of course you're that kind of person. Of course I am. Otherwise, why would God be refining us? Why would God be bringing us through this? If we were all pure silver and gold, why would he need to develop us? But obviously he's working us into something. She can come on. He's working us into something. And he's working something into us. But God's addressing you. Whoever you are, God's addressing you. And you can be encouraged that while you're in the furnace, God sees something of value in you to draw out of you. It's not the end. It's not the end. Whatever you're going through is not over. It's not the end. You're going to make make it through if you stick with it. Look, with God... A death sentence becomes life. The end becomes the beginning. Roadblocks become shortcuts. Because we've got to ask ourselves right now, what needs to die in the desert? What needs to die right now in my life? What needs to die in the desert? What needs to be resurrected? What have I let go of that God's trying to rebirth in me? I pray we can search our hearts tonight. Let's just really search our hearts. Let's not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Let's have the right assessment of ourselves. Let's go after it. Amen. Stand to your feet. Caleb, I want to thank you for a timely and vulnerable word. Anytime you preach a word... That comes from your own life. It's a great message. It's a timely message. Because what you're going through, more than likely, everybody else is going through. 
Does everyone have obstacles in their life this week? How about today? Yes. So if we have obstacles, then therefore we have the opportunity to see the power and character of God move through us. And the very thing that's uh, a roadblock is going to be a shortcut to God's will being performed in our own life. I want to read one thing to you out of Hebrews 11, starting at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, everybody say grown up. Do y'all want to be grown up? Yes. When Moses had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He walked away from a reputation that would sustain a level of uh, provision for a lifetime, for generations to come. In addition to that, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. There is an eternal reward that we have, but also there is a daily supply of God's power to overcome sin. We preach every single sermon, every time we get together, we are hammering the effects of sin in ourselves. And we are calling forth the divine nature of God that he's put inside of you. That repentance precedes power. But it continues on. Verse 26, it says, He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. I want to encourage you, if you have roadblocks, if you have obstacles that you're repeatedly having to overcome, let's start with your own sinful nature. Let's start with your own attitude of your hearts. And then we work outwards of what's happening inside your home. Then we work outwards to what's happening inside your work or the development of your call. Fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith and realize that you are working towards a reward. There is a goal that these obstacles are playing. So let's offer up our lives. More importantly right now, offer up our thoughts and our hearts so that we can get our hearts right and have the right perspective of God's call in our life and not forsake everything that he has invested in us. Let's pray. Jesus, we surrender to you every expectation or we surrender to you every obstacle every bit of resistance that we face every day and we cry out to the name of jesus to come and fill us anew we cry out to the name of jesus lord strengthen our hands and our feeble knees help us endure this let your resurrection power fill our lives lord when we feel like we can't go anymore and we just want to die lord let your power let your presence overwhelm us and fill us resurrect our hope resurrect our faith resurrect our strength that we may number one glorify your name above every name and get to the reward that you have for us we welcome and invite your presence into our hearts tonight lord come and move among us